Mr. Pop. Welcome to country, but not you bloody pops. And actually, I'd be more than happy with that. That would be more accurate. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Rock and Roll Grand Final Week uh, in the NRL, Grand Final Week in the AFL, Brownlow Metal Night as we record this. I'm Kevin Hillier, I'm wearing whatever fits. Uh, Brian Mannix, what are you wearing tonight, Brian, for Brownlow Metal Night? Well, I've got on a nice pair of fluffy pyjamas, actually, and socks and um, a jumper. I look rather unglamorous. I haven't left my apartment all day. I've felt a bit sick today, so I've just been sitting on the couch and watching TV in comfort. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling poorly. Oh, it's self-inflicted, Kev. Okay. I didn't give a shit then. Uh, Okay. Hope you're suffering in your jocks. As they say in the classics, Mark Fine, what aren't you wearing? Or are you wearing anything? You can describe <laughs> what I'm wearing. Have a look at him. <laughs> he's he's wearing about four hundred and thirty-five million dollars worth of tattoos. Yep. Wow. Yeah, look nothing. at that. I've got to say, I wish I do wish sometimes that we did have uh, some sort of visual on this because the the new tattoo on the shoulder, which is the one that is, was you know weeks in the making, is uh, is quite remarkable. Finding yeah, it's a big dragon. That is a hell of a piece of work. It looks like you got yep. a, looks like you got a like a, an animal sitting on your on your shoulder. Yeah. Good. There's more to come. Oh God! There you go. When are you well, getting a tap, Brian? Uh, well, I've gone this far without getting one. Um, and up here, you, you're more unique if you don't have one. Everybody's got a tattoo. It's almost compulsory to come to the Gold Coast to have tattoos. And so, um, yeah, look, you know, if I if I found something that meant something enough to me, then I would perhaps consider it. But um, you know, no, it sounds a bit painful for me. Finally, would you consider, I mean, if, if St Kilda... No. no? I think you're going to say, would I get my penis tattooed? <laughs> no, wasn't quite going down that track. Uh, not this early in the program. Um, would you consider a St Kilda adornment of some description uh, in, in celebration of a, a premiership? Is there is there a sporting event that would have you tick that box for the tat? I've got... I've got two St Kilda tattoos. Yeah, I know you've got. I know, but I mean, a, a, a an actual premiership type tattoo, no, not a no. Absolutely not. I mean, the, the likelihood is is very remote in your lifetime, yeah. but you never know. Silly things happen. Yeah, but he's got four wooden spoon. St. Oh, Gilda now that's not very nice. No, no, Great. no, it's not, it's not nice. I do. I've got one. You know, I've got a couple of St Kilda tattoos, but. Um, I've, got, I've got a Stephen Dank tattoo. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian's got one of those. Uh, <laughs> a Stephen um, Dank tattoo. Uh, very funny. Uh, I, um, yes. no, no, I would never get a tattoo if you get one in premiership. You know, that's for the – I always thought, you know, if you're playing a premiership, you'd get a yeah. yep. tat, tat. What a, What about a Gil McLaughlin tattoo? Uh no, 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 no. Um, 
I get actually on my ass, but my ass isn't big enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Brownlow Medal Night is the McLaughlin brothers in all their glory with Gil reading the votes and Hamish uh, emceeing it. <sighs> Boring as bad shit. Well, I, well I, I've, I've written an ode. Oh, good. Have you? You know the Leyland Brothers song? Oh, vaguely. Tune in all Travel over. Travel all over the countryside. That's the one. That's one. So yeah. tune, tune in all over the countryside. Watch the McLaughlin brothers. Counting the votes from one to three. Can't watch the McLaughlin brothers. Gills are dill and Hames the same. They've both done their best to fuck up the game. We'll all say yo when they both... We'll all say yay when they both... Oh, hang on. What have I written here? The last line... Uh, when Johnny comes marching home, the last line was, it was quite... Um, We'll all say yay when they both have been. Yeah, I know. I haven't got the last one. I haven't quite got to, done properly. But uh, we'll say yay when they announce that they're gay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I couldn't. Oh, when they're gone, don't know, I'd be more jumping up and down. Gill's nearly out the door. It's only taken him seven hundred and fifty thousand years to actually extricate himself from the competition. Um, and and I'm sorry. I, I, very easy to pot commentators and and you know say oh they could do and I and I've never pretended to be a commentator but it doesn't mean that commentators don't annoy me Hamish annoys me he does he does so much information statistically and about the person and ingratiate himself into their lives while he's calling the game that it annoys the producers out of me so I'm not a fan he might be the nicest bloke in the world but might not be either well yeah, might I, be. Might be a bastard. <laughs> I don't have any idea. Uh, let's wrap the tips up before we get stuck in a few other bits and pieces from the program. Uh, it was a big, big uh, preliminary final weekend. GWS didn't get up for you, Brian, I'm afraid. Collingwood, no. Collingwood got up for me and Finey. That was a hell of a game, that one. Um, not the prettiest game, but, geez, it was a gripping game. Uh, and then Brisbane and, uh, and Carlton. Brisbane uh, did get up for you too and Carlton didn't get up for me. So uh, standings with one game to go, I'm on six, Brian's on five, and Finey's on four. Mm. And in the AFLW tipping, uh, we're all scoring monster, monster scores, even when it, we feel like we've done poorly. Finey, you got an eight, and Brian and I got a seven each. So uh, the standings there are Finey, you've, uh, you're up on top of the ladder with me on 27, and Brian, you're on 25. Well. So That's yeah, not bad. Oh, look, big big scores. That uh, you know, you know what it proves. <laughs> the less you know, <laughs> no, <and> the, yes. <laughs> the more likely yeah. that you are to actually tip a winner. The less you know, the better you go. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, we had we had the million dollar tipping competition at Sportsbet, uh-huh. and you know, f- first prize was two hundred and fifty grand, and then there was other prizes for NRL and all that sort of shit. Anyway, the guy that won the AFL tipping thing was from New South Wales. He was an NRL fan, but he didn't really know much about footy, but he, he won it. So he's biased towards teams. He's, um, all, all the things that we carry with us, um, you know, I can't I can't tip Carlton, Carlton are bastards or, or I don't think they're in. Mm. All that gets put aside and you just go, Essendon or Melbourne, you go, ah, Melbourne, and they win. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yep. It's a, it's a silly uh, silly thing that we put ourselves in, but that's what, which is why, in so many ways, I like Finey's tipping competition better than the... Um, the one point one. Yeah, the traditional one. Yep. Uh, now, we'll get to the uh, tips shortly for uh, the 
grand final for your Norm Smith medal um, and who, who you think will win the game. And we'll get to the AFLW tips for this weekend very shortly too. Um, what have you been up to this week, Finny? Anything exciting apart from that rather large new drawing on your chest? Yeah, well, we started the Renos today, so, you know, that's good. Yeah. Plenty, of, um, plenty of work done. We've hired a portable freezer and a couple of taxi boxes and plenty of carting stuff around, but kept trading right up till yesterday, so that was good. Right, so are you, are you actually closed now for a week or so while they do it? Well, we were closed today, but we still did a bit of business. Yeah. You know, you never say no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> someone knocks on the door, yeah. why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was out of the freezer, you know, it was all stuff out of the freezer. I can't, all the fridges are off, so there's no refrigerated stuff. But so, we fro- we freeze soups and meals, so if they want them, they can get them. So how long uh, is Lenny's uh, doors closed for? Three days. Three days, okay. And then, and then reopens with the big wall in the middle, well, not the middle, so we're trading out of one-third of it. But I think that's going to work, you know, okay. and it'll be good. good it's funny because people come in, people are all regulars and they all know the store from around the area. So when they hear you doing a red, you know, everybody's got an opinion, do this, do that. What are you doing? What are you doing? And I finally today found a way to describe it because we're not changing much. We, we don't want to change much, but... The place has been there for 25, 27 years without a change. And I said, look, it's like when you buy one of those nice done-up Edwardian houses or or weatherboard houses or whatever, you know, and you go in there and you you see the old bathroom, you know, it's got the one tap for hot, one tap for cold, the old shower and bath together, the old dunny with the black the black lid, you know. The, <laughs> yeah. And, and then you redo the bathroom and it's really a beautiful modern bathroom, but it's still only a sink, a shower and a toilet. In other words, we're going to really make the place look nice, but we're not changing anything. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good. You know, people think, people think, and everybody comes in and goes, oh, you should do this, you know, you should do that because that's what they like. Do coffee. Well, I'm not doing coffee because <laughs> there's plenty of coffee places around. And, you know, one of our big draw cards is we've got great off-street, we've got parking right in front, and I'm not sacrificing that for coffee. And then other people go, oh, you should do, you know, hot lunches. But we don't really have passing trade. We're more a destination, you know, so you get a lot of advice, a lot of tyre kickers, but it'll be good. You know what else I did this week, just very quickly? Mm, what? I got a call 10.30 a.m. on Thursday to come in with, Tony Moclair at 1am on, uh, one, not 1am, that's what I'm used to. He was doing afternoons on 3AW as a precursor to next year. Yeah. So I went in there for half an hour. God, it was good. We we did um, favourite sandwiches. Oh, good. And, and the, board, the boards lit up with all these crazy choices. But do you quickly want to hear my top three choices? Yeah, God. No, I would be, I number, would like to know. Number three, which I had when I was very young at Lawn, and I've loved it ever since, and it's a great combination, is a really good, crunchy salad roll. When I say crunchy, I don't mean the roll, really nice. You know, nothing fancy, just lettuce, onion, tomato, beetroot, carrot, whatever, with a slice of cheese, but instead of butter, crunchy peanut butter. And I love that. 
It is such a good role. You, have you had that, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I even have ham in it too sometimes with the yeah, salad. Yeah, but yeah. But, it, yeah. but it's it, the peanut butter, you, you wouldn't go back to normal butter in, in yeah. that situation. No, it's great. With salad, it's a ripper. Oh, now yeah, I've got I've got crunchy peanut butter. I bought it the other day, so I got my go for that. I like that. Now the second one, yep, was a a, a bit of a special a, when I was growing up. I haven't had it for a while, and I just remembered it. Except that I'm on a bit of a diet for the next twelve weeks. As soon as I'm off it, I'm getting one of these. I used to get a beautiful fresh sliced white bread. You know, just your plain plain white bread. Unsalted yeah. butter, or salted, doesn't matter, and then a really hot potato cake straight from the fishing chip shop. <laughs> a slice, of, a slice of cheese and some raw onion, and God, that's a good sandwich. No, no, you can't. Nah, I'm not. Nah, no, nah, that one. Oh, yum. Uh, part of that's got it's me yum. going, but no, no, not no, no. Yeah, what, no. So what's top of the board? Oh, if you don't like that, you won't like this. This one oh. I saw on a menu at a south at the South Gawler Bakery. And I thought, are they taking the piss? And then I turned around, there are three tradies having them. So I thought, I'll get one. And it was magnificent. It was a party pie sandwich. I love party pies. With yeah. tomato sauce in the sandwich. You squeeze it, right? And it's just like a roast meat. It's just like a roast beef and gravy roll yeah. or sandwich with the tomato sauce. And the flaky pastry. I'm not talking about a Paddy's party pie. I'm talking about a proper yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice flaky party pie from a good bakery. Yep. I promise you, it was delicious. No, that would be nice. No, I like. I, I do like bakery party pies better. Than, I like. I, I still like the, the Paddy's ones and those. I don't like four and twenty much, but I like the Paddy's ones. But that that would yeah. I like. No, I like that. That'd be good. The raw onion yep. put me off the other one. Oh, you don't have to. Have it. I'd add the cheese and the potato cake. Yeah, the raw onion was just to cut the richness a bit. And it but, must you know. be good because the bloke who on the show who doesn't eat at all hardly um, <laughs> was even enthusiastic about it. Oh, yes. And what do you think, we used, what do you think Brian? We, pretty good. I, we used to have at school we'd get a sausage roll roll. So it'd be a long sausage roll inside a bread roll. Yeah, and somebody that rang up. That. that was pretty good. Somebody rang up Talkback about that. Yep. Yeah. I like the sausage roll roll. And no names, no Pactrill, a mate of mine who did serve time said one of the best days was when he, and when he was inside was Wednesday, was pie and sausage roll for lunch day, and they all had them in rolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Prison food, Brian. You like prison food. Well, I figure I might as well get used to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. Um, we should, we'll should we talk about the footy and stuff. Uh, the Brownlow medal, uh, who do you think will win it, incidentally? By the time this podcast goes out, it will have been done and done. So I think Bottom Pelly might actually win it. He might tie with the young boy from um, Collingwood or the young boy from South Australia, from Port Adelaide. Finally, who's your tip for the Brownlow? I'd love Bontempelli to win it. I think he deserves winning it. I don't. I know Nick Dacos, a great second year, a great, great second year, but I don't really think he's a Brownlow medalist this year. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he sort of was, he played his position beautifully. Don't worry, he's a beaut. But he was a bit 
he's still, because he's young, quite rightly kept out of the hustle bustle of the main main beeswax. I, my my best is Bontempelli, and my smoking is Caleb Sorol. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like him. He's good. Oh, he's very good. He goes well. Brian, you ever thought on the brown mate? I think Des Tudner might be your chance. He's a chance. He's a chance. You never know. Um, No, I think probably Bontempelli has probably got it. Him or Des Tudner, not sure. Yep. Okay. We'll see how that transpires. Uh, NRL Grand Final, Panthers and the Broncos this week. Uh, A couple of really interesting preliminary finals. Unfortunately, Storm not good enough. Warriors not quite good enough. The other two teams, clearly the two best teams in the competition during the year, are going to meet in the uh, in the grand final. Will be a pretty interesting grand final because they're very different sides. But um, I'm looking forward to that uh, NRL grand final on Sunday night. I must admit I'd forgotten it was on because because it's October. Um, I thought it was another week, but uh, no, it's on uh, it's on this week. So look forward to see whether uh, the Brisbane side can take one of the two titles that they've got up for grabs. Who do you like in the NRL this week, Fonny? Oh, definitely the Broncos. And Mr Mannix, have you followed any of the NRL at all there from the Gold Coast penthouse where rugby league is the um, state of... Look, I, I think uh, considering where I live, I'd better go for the Broncos. Um, yeah, um, no, I think they're a good chance. I think Penrith are a great team, but um, personally I hope the Broncos win. Penrith are an excellent team. And I have to say, um, Nathan Cleary is one of the best uh, halfbacks I've seen run around of recent years. He's very good. There's been some beauties, but he's very, very good. He's a machine. He was on fire on the weekend. Very good player. Uh, what else we got going on? Oh, yeah. Uh, now, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Been a bit of hoo-ah about the, uh, our mate Sammy Newman and a few things he's had to say of recent times about some of the goings-on in the country. Any what's thoughts? He, what's he said? Well, Sammy called for people to boo during the welcome to country uh, or to slow hand clap <laughs> or his alternative, he went about, he had about seven goes at this. First it was booing, then it was slow hand clapping and then it was start singing uh, the Seekers song uh, that Bruce Woodley wrote, you know, I am you, I am Australia. Yeah, so start singing that while the bloke's doing welcome to country. Um, went down like a lead balloon, as you would uh, quite rightly imagine, and uh, the... Uh, detected response during the Welcome to Countries over across the weekend in AFL regions of the universe uh, didn't happen? Well, it would seem to me that the Welcome to Country is only a very short welcome because... If done properly. Well, we know because we've got to... we, We welcome everybody to country every week. We've got to welcome them to country when we land a plane. Um, there's a lot of welcoming to country, and I would thought that, you know, once you're welcome to the country at the MCG, perhaps at the start of the season, you should be all right for maybe the rest of the season or maybe till halfway. I think I think it's a bit overdone. Look, I you know, I don't mind it, but it's sort of, oh, I don't know, you know. Yeah, I you know, I, I see his point. Um, I think you've got to just grin and bear it, though. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's overdone a little bit. The, um, the one, uh, Blake and Brisbane did it on the weekend and uh, it went, I don't reckon it went for longer than a minute and a bit, um, and Ooh. he incorporated, uh, Shannon Rusk is his name, he incorporated uh, the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi into it 
Um, he actually got the crowd going. I, I hadn't seen anyone really get the crowd stirred up um, with a welcome to country, and he, he did it. Uh, did it oh. in, an interesting little um, version of it. You know how we all have different versions of the uh, the, yeah. the national anthem. It was a slightly different version. It was very succinct. He didn't go on, which they were doing. I reckon when they first started doing the welcome to countries, they were ca- they were going on forever. Um, these ones have become much. Uh, shorter, tighter, and uh, and the one he did was it was actually quite entertaining. I don't know if it'd work in, you know, in the middle of a um, uh, citizenship ceremony. I don't know whether you'd be going Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. It helps if you've got 36,000 people in a captive audience in a stadium somewhere. So we'll see mm. how that develops. Any thoughts on that, Finey? Yeah, plenty. What would um, they be? Well, first of all, look, the, the politics of it, I don't really think there are politics of it. You know, it, it's a nice way. To, for me, it's a very nice way. Now, now I'm not saying you need and you need it everywhere you walk into, and at every meeting and at every board meeting. I don't know if you have to, but certainly for a big crowd on a big ground, it's a very nice way. It's actually really nice because it's a really, it's sort of a, a the original owners of this land, which they definitely were. And if you want to get into the politics of it, you know, you can't just, let's just be very clear what the British did. And I think every Australian should understand this. The British landed on a continent with a population of hundreds of thousands of people, not of 90 people. There were hundreds of thousands of Aboriginals when they landed here. And the first thing they did was that the, the British declared terra nullis. They stepped on this land and they said, this land belongs to nobody. Well, from that point on, you know, make of it what you will, but that is a, you know, that was their colonial behaviour and you can see them all around the world now, what the world thinks of that sort of colonial behaviour. It's just, unfortunately for the Aboriginals, by the time the British sort of pulled up stumps, there weren't many of them left. Elsewhere, the British got booted out left, right and centre because yeah. you can't just land somewhere and say no one owns it because they're not white. Anyhow, that's my politics. But forget the politics. care about the politics. I don't care about what people think about it. I want to talk about Sam Newton. Oh, okay. So I met Sam a few times and I know your friend... I know you're friends with Sam Bynum. Any time I met Sam, he was great to deal with. Very mm. generous coming into the studio. But I did see him at a few AFL functions and SEN functions. I remember Sam started football at the age of 17 and until about the age of 70, he was from 17 to – how old is he now? Well, 76. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so from the age of 17 to 70 – he was a high-profile person in this state, a very well-known Victorian. And I saw him in a few functions. Now, you'll know this dynamic, Brian, and you'll know this dynamic, Kevin. And I just want to point it out. The dynamic is he was a bloke who everybody, the minute he walked in the room, turned around and go, Sam Newman's here. Oh, that's Sam Newman. Fuck it, Sam Newman. And he played it too cool for school, very cool, you know, like 
basically what Sam Newman did and what a lot of blokes did was, I'll sum it up like this, he would shun the limelight. And he would shun it like this. I'm shunning the limelight. I'm shunning the limelight. Where's the limelight? I want to shun it. <laughs> and he's now post his media career and podcasts allow people post their media career to still have a voice. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin and Brian. Um now he knows how the media works. He was he, he was footy media and controversy for decades. So he knows what he said. We know his politics. We know that's roughly where he sits on things. But to take it that next level really is hello, hello. I love the front page. Put me on it. Look at me. You know, I mean, come on, Sammy. Seriously. Seriously. Do you do you really wanna do you really wanna get to the point where to be noticed you're gonna say something that angers people? Because it's much easier to do that than say something that people like. I've been trying to say th- something people like for years, but who cares? But you know, if I came out, I could get us I could get us in the newspapers. You wanna get in the newspapers? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It does, it I mean, I can, I can get us in the newspapers. I can officially announce on this podcast that the readers and the Brian Mannix is so obsessed about the break into Adelaide Zoo and the fornication of animals <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> because he was one of the people that did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just getting back yeah. to your welcome, your welcome to country, I, I think you made a good point and that they should sort of say, say welcome to country, Except you bloody Poms. You're not welcome to country. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what they should say. Welcome yeah. to country, yeah. look, but not look. you bloody Poms. And actually, I'd be more than happy with that. That would be more accurate. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, mind, I wouldn't mind that. Got a oh, sense don't of pretend it didn't happen. We remember. <laughs> yeah, you, you, declared, you declared this land... Completely null and void of ownership. <laughs> Fuck off, back there. They, they took over a lot of land with a very careful use of flags. Just yeah. roll I mean, up on the beach, stick the flag in. Ah, oh, this is the king's. <laughs> there you go. As a good mate of mine who was indigenous, he had a couple of great sayings. One of his favourite ones was <laughs> turning around to my wife and going, "Pay the rent." <laughs> uh, and his other one, which he did like saying to Poms, was F off and turn off the lights when you leave. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to the AFLW tips for this week. Geelong and Melbourne play on Thursday night, the holiday down at uh, GMHBA Stadium. I think uh, Geelong will win that one, Finey. Geelong versus who? Melbourne. Oh, that'd be a good go. Hmm. Okay, I'll go Melbourne. Melbourne. Brian. Yeah, I think Daisy will pop in and have a little word to the girls and uh, they'll be fired up and ready too good for the cats. Richmond and Frio. I'm going to go for Richmond. Funny. Yeah, Richmond. Manix. Oh, the Frio girls are great little dockers. No, they're great. All right. Uh, Carlton take on Sydney. 
Carlton, uh, yeah, Carlton not a bad little side. Sydney, the one up for you as well. I'll go for Carlton. Fine. Carlton. Brian. Oh, I think I'll enjoy the game more if I go for Sydney. You just, you really, so this is it. See, now you've let your, you've let your yeah, yeah. Uh, AFL men's thing cloud your judgment but, again. I don't, I'm not going to change your tip, but you've, that, see, that's why you were going so well because you left all that stuff out of it and just went, oh, I don't know, I'll go this. Yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, could have stuffed yourself up there. The Western oh, Bulldogs yeah, face and Kilda. The doggies still haven't won a gun. They only lost by a couple of points the other night, but uh, I'll go the doggies. Saints for you, Finey. Mate, I watched that game on Sunday afternoon. I actually turned on. Now, this was amazing. When I turned on, the score was five goals for Collingwood to one five St Kilda with about three minutes to go in the third quarter. And I thought, well, they've kicked one goal in three quarters. They're not going to win this. Yep. They kicked the last six goals of the game and won by two goals, and boy, did they play some good footy. So I'm going for the Saints. All right. And uh, the uh, St Kilda or Western Bulldogs for you, Brian? Um, I think I'm going to go to the Saints too after listening to uh, Finey's little details there. There you go. West Coast Eagles play Port Adelaide. West Coast Eagles are terrible at everything, so Port Adelaide for me, Finey. Port Adelaide. Brian. Port Adelaide. Uh, Collingwood play. Yes. But have you heard about that West Coast Eagles AFLW team? No. You didn't hear the the big news? No. So, you know, they're really struggling for four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a win during the week. What did they win? They played the men. They played the men. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well, that wouldn't come as any great surprise. Um, Collingwood playing Essendon. I'll go for the Pies here. They'll have a big weekend. The Pies. What do you think, Funny? Um, that's a really close game. I'm going to go the Pies. And Brian, uh, I think it's going to be a disappointing weekend all around for Collingwood. So bombers for me. North- and I just might. Mm-hmm. I just might add that Patrick Dangerfield's wife is wearing a beautiful blue, shiny dress with a leg cut up the thing, her legs hanging out. Looks very nice. Okay. Thank you, Brian, for that uh, uh, fashion. Brian, when you get the first wag that's wearing what I'm wearing tonight, give us a hoi. Nathan Buckley's rolled up with some chick that looks like she's at the gaffer, the material to her boobs. Um, but, uh, good for, no, Nathan was with, uh, no, Nathan's with a different girl now. He was with a fitness girl or something and he's not with her now, I don't think. I don't know who Nathan's with now. Uh, North Melbourne, I don't care. North Melbourne take on the Giants. North Melbourne, a pretty good sign. I'll go to North Melbourne again. Uh, Finey? North Melbourne. Mr. Mannix? Oh, the Giants. That was so stiff last week. Oh, okay. Hawthorne and Brisbane. Uh, I'll go Brizzy. Brian, you on Brizzy? Brisbane. You're, you're just your neighbours? It's a big Brisbane weekend, I tell you. Okay. And uh, Mr. Fine, Hawthorne or Brisbane? Brisbane. And the final game is the Crows and the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, I'll go the Crows. Finey? Crows. Mr Mannix, the Suns? The Gold Coast Daughters. Right. Right, let's get to the grand final uh, in the AFL. It will be a really interesting game, this one. Two, two. Two sides who, you know, were the best, probably the best two sides all year for, for the most part. 
Port Adelaide you could make a case for, but Collingwood certainly in the home and away season uh, the best performed and uh, and Brisbane had a terrific season. But, you know, but helped by the fact that they didn't lose a game at home, um, which came home to roost. Brian, your thoughts on who's going to win the grand final on Saturday? Uh, my neighbours up in Brisbane, I, I hope, will win it. Um, look, I think Collingwood deserved to win it. They'd been the best team all year. But, you know, Essendon should have won it in 99 and we lost the preliminary final by a point. So, and we were the best team all year. So I'm going for um, Brisbane. Margin? Um, they need to be about three goals up with 10 minutes to go because Collingwood will come back and kick a couple of goals. So I think it'll be close. I think eight points. Eight points, and the Norm Smith medal will be won by a Brisbane player, obviously. I wish I knew more of their names. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what's the, um, the – is it Jamie Cameron? What's his name? What's his name? The little, the little goal the little goal sneak. Oh, no, uh, Charlie, Charlie Cameron. Yeah. yeah, him. Charlie Cameron, yep. He's the Norm Smith medalist. Okay. Hardly got a touch the other night. Jesus, he was struggling. And he's saving himself for the big game, kid. All right. Finey, the winner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Collingwood are going to win it because Brisbane away from home do not, you know, they've won 13 games at home, but they had some pretty poor form away from home, I'm telling you. And they struggled in sort of tight pressure games. Well, that's what the grand final is going to be. It's away from home. It's going to be a lot of pressure. I don't think that suits Brisbane and... Yeah, let's not forget. I know that, you know, they've had their last three games at home. They've won all them and people forget for mine that they've been a bit disappointing away from home this year. So I'm going for Collingwood. Yep. Margin? Margin 17 points. And the Norm Smith medal will be won by? Now, it's a good one, the Norm Smith medal, because it's voted on by, not umpires, by a panel of people that, have a more global view of the ground, you know. Yeah, they actually include the defensive unit as part of the team that wins the game. Correct. You don't have to be a midfielder to win the Norm Smith medal. I don't... I know that the Collingwood forwards can be lively, but I don't think they're going to win the Norm Smith medal, any of them. The midfield's very good, but I'm going to look beyond... The midfield. Mm, me too. Their ruck combination, they're not definitely not going to win the Norm Smith. Oh, come on, Mason they're... Cox is a Monty. Yeah, no, he's not winning the Norm Smith. <laughs> um, so I go back of Centaur um, and... That's where I'm going with mine. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I mean, Maynard's a very good player, but he does have to do too much defensive work. So I'm going to go for Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore to win the Tom Smith. Okay. Uh I concur with you on Collingwood. And I, for for all the exact same reasons, I think uh, Brisbane. And I've got I've got I've got a good first goal kicker. Oh, okay. I didn't even think of the first goal kicker. Who's that going to be? Zach Bailey. Yeah, wouldn't be at all surprised. Wouldn't be at all surprised. Who's your first goal kicker, Brian? You want to pick one of those? Charlie Cameron. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm going Collingwood. All the same reasons. I, I think Brisbane will just find that that uh, MCG thing just a bit too hard for them. I'm going 13 points for Collingwood. 
Uh, one of them might be kicked really late, so I think it'll be really tied up until then. My um, Norm Smith medal is Quainer. I think he's a really good player. If he gets them run out of that back half, Collingwood, they will they will absolutely um, win the game. First goal kicker. Ooh, jeez, that's an interesting. I'll go Joe Danaher just to annoy the hell out of Brian. <laughs> no, he'll be the first point kicker or the first out, out of bounds on the full kicker. Uh, oh, although Hipwood. Oh, you're mate Eric. <laughs> you're mate Eric. He might just kick one straight out of out the out of bounds <laughs> of the full. That's where I reckon Brisbane are real dodgy because. You know, Danaher can kick one goal six. Hepwood can kick three straight out of, out of bounds on the full. He can get the ball, but geez, they're pathetic in front of when they have set shots. Yes, they can uh, They can struggle up for it, I must admit. Hey, now, Brian, I've got sad news for you. Mm. You ready? Yes. No death, Eliza. No death, Eliza. That's probably good news. No death. Well, it, yeah, it is. Well, that's good. So there's a seven-minute gap in the program and it starts now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, people just won't come good for us. Who's tonight's episode of The <laughs> Yes. Uh, can you imagine if you had a network program that relied on people dying and they didn't die one week? What the hell would happen? The whole show was called... <laughs> Yeah, the whole show was called the Death Eliza, so had to fill in half an hour, <laughs> and, and no one's died. Yes, yes. And now we you take know, you back yeah. to the Death Eliza 2012. Thankfully, well, Prince on and Michael Jackson. 19, yeah, on this day in 1912, George Michael died. <laughs> you know what? Uh, there you go. So, well, maybe you know that might be a trend. Hopefully, that we won't have a Death Eliza in the coming weeks. Uh, light on week. Though, did Rupert Murdoch pass away? Or was that, there was a lot about him in the paper. I thought he must have died. No, he's, he's retired. From oh, is that what it was? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. I just saw his name in the paper a lot. Thought maybe he'd, uh, <laughs> you know, I checked and he wasn't in the list, wasn't in the well, think, Wikipedia list. I, think, I thought, well, he's not there. Look, I'm not sure if he's if he's um, retired or he's just taking paternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious me. Oh, something. He's only 96. Yeah, He's got so plenty left in him. Yeah. Some things you just don't want to think about, do you? And that's that's clearly one of them. Clearly one of them. Now, um, we're going to get to our topic for this week because uh, the grand finals are traditionally a very emotional time for the supporters and, you know, they, they whether it's local footy, I mean, uh, you get very wound up in... in American for your local club. So five moments that, five sporting moments that brought a tear to your eye. Now, that could be happy or it could be sad. It's entirely up to, you know, the three of us to work out which which way you want to go with that. Um, I didn't shed a tear, but I was, uh, you know, quite involved yesterday um, in the VFL grand final where we took on the Gold Coast Suns. Unfortunately, didn't get the chocolates and uh, Gold Coast got their first ever trophy um, in any level of uh, uh, football from a, a Gold Coast point of view. So congratulations to them. Um, good on you. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they, uh, they were just a little bit too good on the day, simple as that. So, uh, yeah, you, get, you do get emotionally involved in those sorts of things. So 
Uh, as I said, I didn't. I didn't. I know there were people who did shed tears uh, from the Werribee contingent yesterday, and and you know that's how much it meant to them. So five sporting moments, personal ones you've seen, whatever that brought a tear to your eye. Now, Brian, mm. are you going to be okay during this segment? Because Look, I'm going to be fine during this segment because really. Um, Pretty hard to, you know. I don't think I really cry over sport. I kind of get a bit misty when I watch yeah, the national anthem, and you know, somebody's won an Olympic gold medal. You sort of think, "Wow, you bastard! You've worked so hard, and it's finally paid off for you." And I find that a bit touching and thing. But yeah, generally, you know, even when Essendon lost the '99 preliminary final, I didn't cry. I was spewing, but <laughs> so okay. you know, I, I found this a pretty uh, difficult. Uh, topic, and I don't think there's any chance of me getting too emotional about it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Did, we just wanted to yeah. check because you know we did the sad movie thing, and and that. Uh, that oh, I'll well, see. Movies that, is a whole different thing. That one got to you, so you know. I just didn't want to. Oh, I didn't okay. want. I didn't want another old Shep moment, and I didn't want to upset you. I tell you what, I've just I'm halfway through Cocaine Bear, and that's that a tearjerker. Cocaine Bear. <laughs> what is Cocaine, cocaine. Bear? Oh, some coke dealer throws all his coke out of the plane and it lands in the mountains and this bear finds the cocaine and he's just coked off his face and he's oh, attacking God. everybody and killing people. It's it's um it's a unique experience. I'd, oh, I'm not sure I'd highly recommend it. I think <laughs> <Fair> um, <enough. laughs> cocaine alligator might be a better go. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Uh, all right, Funny, you're gonna start us. Um how did you find this topic? Oh, I'm not I don't think I've really cried at sporting events, but a tear to the eye. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of emotional pull. Yep. Um, I'm going to start off with the 2008 preliminary final between Hawthorne and St Kilda. Okay. Now, St Kilda, St Kilda made the prelim that year, but they were never really a chance to – they were not a live chance to win it. They were before their time a bit. They would do much better the next season. But it was game 383 in the final game for the great Robert Harvey. Ah. And, yeah, seeing him share. I was there in his first game, 1988, round 19, at the Western Oval, Kevin. Oh, really? Did he play his first game? Oh, God, isn't that funny? A lot of milestone games uh, involving St Kilda players uh, with the Bulldogs. Danny Frawley's last was against last us. Last game, yeah. Um, yep. Okay, I didn't realise he played his first game against us. Good player, yep. really good um, player. One of those players. He's one of those players that opposition um, supporters respect. Yep. Yeah, he's a beautiful player, great sidestep, beautiful user of the ball. He wasn't a big penetrating kick, so people don't know about his kicking that don't watch, didn't watch him week, but he used to float the ball onto Stuart Lowe and Tony Lockett, you know, and you don't need to pick the air out of the bloody thing when you pass it, those soft ones, that, like a butterfly landing on a flower. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I loved Robert Harvey and they cheered him off and it certainly, certainly got me a bit misty-eyed. Yep, oh, fair enough. Uh, number five for you, Brian. Well, number five for me is a great sporting achievement by Australia, um, and it's there because I nearly cried laughing. <laughs> and um, 
I'm talking about Steve Bradbury oh, winning the, God, the, yes. the ice gallery. Watching those three blokes all go down, it's like it's like a Benny Hill episode or something. You know, you want to put that music on. But, um, yeah, I thought, you know, it was a great win for Steve. And, you know, you got to remember that he had to work really hard to get there. But, you know, a bit of luck on, on the day. But, um, you know, I thought the three blokes falling over was um, – Pretty damn funny, and nearly made me cry with laughter. He's a, he's a great character, Stephen Bradbury, and when he tells the story about it, it is it is a most entertaining um, lead up to the whole thing. And then and and then when you watch it after he's after you've heard him tell the story and you see the look on his face, it's it is it's priceless. Yeah, well, I think they're making a movie about him, aren't they? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I think they are. I think there's a Stephen Bradbury movie which will culminate with that classic race. He looks. I reckon you and he look a bit alike. Oh, now you're just being down no, like me. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> what, him or you? Um, <laughs> me? Oh, stern, eh? No mirrors in your oh, joint there, apart from the ones on the ceiling. Look at Patrick Dangerfield in his velvet jacket. What's he trying to prove? All right. Um, my number five is the uh, takes me back to the 2002 Melbourne Cup, the Damien Oliver moment after he wins on Media Puzzle. Mm. Uh, every time, every time I see it, just gets me. Um, I, I won't pretend that I know. I don't know Ollie. I do know Ollie. I don't know him terribly well. Um, I've had a little bit to do with him over the years. Um, on radio and stuff and obviously, uh, you know, through the racing industry. But uh wouldn't say he's a, a great mate or anything, but that that moment and what he'd been through and all that stuff, I, I, I still find that one of the great um, the great moments in Australian sporting history. And, uh, yeah, it does. It, it gets gets me a little misty every time. Gazumped. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Sorry. Number four, Fanny. Okay. Mine's a horse racing one as well. Oh, okay. June 2012, this was just a mix of emotions. It was Black Caviar winning the Diamond Jubilee Stakes at Ascot. Um, that famous finish where Luke Nolan stopped riding it out with about 100 to go and the French horse Moonlight Cloud almost caught it on the line. Yeah. You know, the enormous effort for this great horse to go to England. It's so hard to take a horse over there and win. Big field, the controversial finish, and I had built up a great rapport with Luke on SEN because I, I found Black Caviar quite early, and I had him on after. Well, the early wins were another jockey. Um, <laughs> I think the WA jockey. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Luke got on board, and after about eight wins, I spoke to Luke, and and after Black Caviar had won, and and. He came back a few times and I, I, I would speak to him on the Thursday night before the race, not after the race. And he used to come on uh, and not really speak to anybody else because he reckoned it was good luck. Huh. So so I really liked Luke. I like him a lot, really like him. And, um, you know, it was that nerve-wracking finish and then the win. So, yeah, the black caviar win over at Ascot. The horse was injured, wasn't it, or was carrying an injury? Of uh, the, or we all thought it was carrying an injury. Well, I had a bit of a respiratory thing or something, but yeah, she was an absolute superstar. Uh, and one of those horses that, um, and there haven't been that many of them over the years, who captured the imagination of non-racing people. 
Yeah, yeah, and black caviar and winks were the two standouts, and, and probably you'd throw in Maccabi Diva, so the three champion mares of <coughs> Australian race. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, number four for you, Brian. Number four for me is a guy called Mike Piazzo. What's Mike done? And, well, Mike played for the for the Mets. He's a baseball player. Anyway, in the very first game since after 9-11, they were playing and, you know, the game was on. And then in the eighth innings, Mike Piazzo came out and he smashed and it was the first home run hit since 9-11. And then he sort of looked up to the sky and pointed to the sky and everybody got very, very emotional about the whole thing and, you know, hugging each other and because it was, you know, just such a, I don't know, a healing thing after 9-11. So Mike Piazzo comes in at number four. Okay. He's, is he the one, uh, I think he was at the Dodgers before he was at the Mets and stuff, Mike Piazza, you think, from memory? Um, well, I, I, I love his pie. That's all I know. My number four is a personal one. Uh, it's a sporting moment. It was when uh, we got told that uh, that Ronnie James, the fabulous little bloke who uh, played uh, a VFL footy in a VFL grand final, I think, at the age of 14 or 15, and then came to the doggies. Uh, he uh, died in a, uh, a water skiing accident. That uh, that that brings a tear to my every time I think about young Ronnie and I see a little bit of footage of him somewhere. It always uh, always one of those ones that uh, you just saw a kid who was just had the uh, the footy world in front of him and you thought was going to probably do anything he wanted to do. Uh, to, to, because he just had so much talent and he was such a nice little kid and he, uh, a nice young man, I should say, um, and uh, seemingly was, you know, at 1990 was on the brink of maybe doing some really good things under Terry Wheeler as coach and unfortunately died in that water skiing accident. That that always brings a bit of a tear to my eye when I think about young Ronnie, which I do often. Number three, Finey. And Ronnie James, by the way, played in that debut game that Robert Harvey played in. Oh, did he really? 19, oh, God. 1988. Yeah, Ron played in that game. There you go. Number three is one of those, I can't believe I'm watching this happen. You know, it's one thing to watch a team that you love winning and then to see it snatched away from them. It's almost in slow motion. So mine is MCG 1997, <laughs> Australia 2, Iran 2, Missing out on oh. the for the World Cup. You know, we were two goals to the good. Young Harry Kewlett score, Vidmar scored, and we just needed to beat them. And we were in the World Cup for the first time since 1976. Of course, now, after that, we would qualify, and we've qualified ever since. But at the time, that was simply heartbreaking. And to was be that there. Yeah, Peter Cut Hall. Peter yeah, Hall, what a copy. What a Peter copy. Hall ran on the ground. And That's it right. Did, it did change the momentum, no question about it. Yes. They, they sort of were able to, they were able to regroup and the manager came on the ground and gave them a talking to. So it definitely, definitely played a part, you know. So, yep. yeah. <clears throat> it was like, I cannot believe what I just saw. Yep. Number three for you, Brian. Uh, number three for me is a NASCAR driver. Oh. And, um, and he wasn't having a lot of luck. Um, 
Anyway, and he's, I think the best he'd ever done was a third, generally a fourth or something. Anyway, in his 114th race, he's there at uh, Talibadger or whatever that, that joint is. And he's there at, well, well they had country, a truck. Country New South Wales. Yeah, Talibadger is where the bird sanctuary is about, about you know, 40 minutes from where you are now, Brian. Hello, oh, yeah, you know, it's a, anyway, it's a race in America, right? Yeah, we know. And anyway, they wouldn't had be, a... Wouldn't, uh, be Tal- wouldn't be Talladega, would it? Yeah, it would. That might yeah. be it, yeah. The one yeah. that so well, anyway, what's his name did the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they had... I've got, got a feeling Brian wasn't there when it happened, but anyhow. <laughs> I, I, saw what, I saw the important part. That's all that matters. So <laughs> what happened was... What happened was... That, they had, had truck races on the track before this particular race. So they were concerned that the trucks had dug up the track too much and, you know, they were kept having to, you know, put up a black flag and slow everybody down and blah, blah, blah. And it got to the point where if one more black flag or whatever it is, whatever flag they put up, then that's it, the race is over. Well, anyway, um, Brandon Brown, he's coming about fifth, but then he goes, right, there's only going to be one more flag. So he fangs it and he gets past these other two blokes. They put up the flag, cancel the last five laps, and he wins. So oh. great moment for great moment for him. But the best moment was when they're interviewing him. And all the crowd in the background are going, Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck Joe Biden. <laughs> and then the commentator, the girl commentator says, well, you've really got the crowd behind you. They're all saying, let's go, Brandon. And, oh, God, that was so funny. And now everybody just says, let's go, Brandon. You know, even in American Congress, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. When they mean. Go for, <laughs> Fuck Joe Biden. So um, that, to me, that was a moment that really came very close to tears, watching all this crowd singing, chanting, F Joe Biden. And, you know, now let's go, Brandon is a, is a phrase known all around the world. There you go. Let's you go, go, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, my number three, now you mentioned preliminary finals and we've just come off the preliminary final weekend and they're the hardest ones to win, uh, you know, when you talk to people in football circles. The 1985 one still rings heavily for me when the Doggies uh, lost to Hawthorne and then 1997 and the Doggies lost to Adelaide. <laughs> But the one that actually does bring a tear to my eye, believe it or not, and not because I was in excruciating pain from a massive attack of gout, is the 2016 preliminary final. I was in excruciating pain with a massive um, thing of gout, attack of gout, which put me in hospital a day and a half later. But I watched the 2016 preliminary final when we beat GWS in Sydney and... Uh, and uh, literally at the end of it, I was balling. They were not just a tear to my eye, I was balling, full-on balling because that was the culmination of getting to a grand final after, you know, 60-odd years on the planet. And uh, we finally got there and, uh, yeah, unashamedly, a combination of painkillers, pain and, uh, and winning a preliminary final. I quite uh, honestly tell you, the grand final, no. Uh, didn't, didn't shed a tear at all, the grand final. I was high on morphine, but I, I didn't shed a tear. Um, I, uh, I just watched that and went, whoa, whoopee-doo, we're winning um, in my hospital bed. But uh, the prelim final was pre-hospital, pre-morphine. 
And uh, I genuinely cried. It was it was a fabulous moment. I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, you had the massive gout pain, and then <laughs> after the win, I guess you had a massive footy fat as well. <laughs> I didn't. No, not, I'm telling you, I didn't have anything going on uh, in any direction with that. And, and the, the ridiculous thing of that is, as soon as you mentioned the word gout, he goes, "Oh, he's on the piss. He's drinking." I'd given up the drink a year before that. I haven't had a drink for <laughs> seven or eight or nine years or whatever it is now, but. Um, yeah, gave it up and then got this incredible gout. And normally, you know, the Mick Malloys of the world are always talking about because as a result of their drinking, they get gout. Nothing to do with it. Anyway, uh, number two for you, Mr. Fine. I was there. 2000 Olympic Games, Kathy Freeman, the 400-metre goal. I can tell you. We, I, I can't remember standing up. We were on the home turn, beautiful seats, me and my mate off. And the crowd, everybody got on their feet, the energy, the power. And then when she won, uh, people were hugging, high-fiving, that never knew each other, how one person could, you know, because they were our games and she was our pin-up girl and it's hard to win gold medals, you know, and... All the pressure, and on the home turn, that uh, I think it was an English girl, Sherry or Mary or so. I think Mary, and then one of the others looked to have. There, there was a moment there; it looked to be in danger, and then Kathy Freeman just hit the afterburners and bang, and it was. I don't. I can't. I don't think I cried, but I was very emotional and, and on a on a national high for some times afterwards. So number two, Cathy Freeman. Very good the choice. Sydney Olympic Games. Very, very good choice. Brian? That was the night everybody got gout. Okay. Um, number, number two is um, Damien Oliver. Um, you know, his brother died that week. He wasn't yep. sure if he was going to race. And, you know, just such a beautiful gesture, you know, just one to win it. But then that point to the sky, I did this for you, that's, I oh, welcome, like you welcome to countries. Honestly, if they say anything about the bombs, they <laughs> <laughs> do get welcome to country at the Brownlow. Fur jacket and his beard on. He's going all right, and oh. his tuxedo with the fur jacket and the gum leaves. It looks terrific. All right, good. I like that look. I'm going to employ it. In fact, <laughs> in fact, in fact, I can because about about uh, this is bad. But a few days ago, I ran over a possum. Right. There's a jacket. Yeah, I could have worn that as a scarf. A Daniel, a Daniel Boone hat. <laughs> yeah. One of his Daniel, remember the Daniel Boone hats? Yeah. Oh, I love them, love them. I, I believe they were called coonskin hats. Yeah, they were, I, they were I, but you can't say that now oh, apparently. Oh. Oh. No, no, no. He... Did he have four coonskin hats or a coon foreskin hat? Oh, I don't. I was, he never, didn't have any of those, Finey, now. Had a, oh. Have you ever had any foreskin um, clothing or, or accoutrements? Funnily enough, you know, Fors- no. I had a foreskin hat. <laughs> Here we go. Thanks, Brian. You ruined it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Off again. There's nothing better than travelling with a foreskin wallet because... You just rub it when you go to the airport. You've got a suitcase. <laughs> Thank you. All right. My number two. And, uh, <clears throat> foreskin, foreskin hat, rub it, it turns into a tent. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we done with the dick jokes now, boys? It's a very serious moment, my number two now. 
I don't, I don't have to say two words and you'll know and uh, I don't have to explain anything about it, don't have to say anything about it, don't have to relive the moment. Three words, sorry, three words. Ted Witten's lap. Oh, yeah, good one. That made me cry. Yeah, great one. Yeah. Yeah. For all the reasons yeah, that, that you could possibly imagine, um, knowing him, growing up, idolising him, meeting him, uh, all those things and then becoming, you know, quite close to him and the family and all that sort of stuff and and uh, that lap and my mate was uh, driving the, the car and the, the the grandkids were in the car. Yeah, just boom, bang, every time. Yeah, that, that made me cry because um, my dad had died from prostate cancer, yep. you know, probably four or five months earlier. So it, that really hit home with me. Yeah, that was so much so that me and my brother went to um, – to Footscray to watch the funeral to the, at the Western Oval. Yep. And uh, and then we all ran out and we waved to the we waved to the, the hearse, which seems kind of silly in hindsight. And then if you wanted, you could go back up for a sausage sizzle afterwards. Yep. So uh, we skipped the sausage sizzle. But I've never been to, you know, he was kneeling on the floor watching the TV, doing the mass and all that sort of thing. But he's got a pot next to him or a scooter next to him while he went mass. Yeah. It was, it was a unique day, but that uh, Ted Witten thing, wow. Yeah, that, that really hurt. Yeah. Oh, I was at that funeral and in the bus with all the people behind the hearse um, coming back after the funeral. It was a hell of a, hell of a day, hell of a emotional mm-hmm. day. I don't know how Ted Jr. made his speech that day and uh, and didn't become emotional. It was quite uh, quite an amazing um, speech by Ted Jr. and uh, he did it exceptionally well. So that's my number two. Number one, finally, what have we got? Number one, 1992, round 22, the last game at Now oh. uh, That is the one day I do remember shedding a tear. Is that the day you um, did the banner? Yeah, I actually looked it up today. You know, you can, so if anybody wants to, just type in last game at Moorabbin and you'll see Eddie Maguire's report on it. Yep, interviewing That's you. That's a really, really good report and you'll see a young Mark Fine there. You will. And uh, I, I recite the banner that I I pen the words for the final banner at Moorabbin. Which were? From Plugger to Carl, Cowboy to the Dock, to all the saints who made the grandstand rock, the good times, the bad times, the bit of the sweet, thanks for the memories, Linton Street. Nice. Mm. Very nice. Very good. Very nice. Big banner. Uh, the second most famous banner ever at St Kilda. What was the most famous? Eric. Which Eric. one? Eric oh, ba- Eric banner. banner. Oh, sorry. Jesus. How thick are we, Mannix? The Eric Banner. Right. What's your number one, Brian? My number one is uh, the American Samoan World Cup soccer team. And um, there's a documentary which I've mentioned on the show before. It's called Next Goal Wins. That's right. Uh, and, that you know, it starts off, they're playing Australia and they lose 31 to nothing. <laughs> and it's just, they're terrible. They're beautiful people. And they end up getting some Dutch coach from America because the FIFA gives them money. And these guys, no, we can't train. We've got to go to mass on Sunday. And, this you know, it's this clash of cultures. Anyway... They've lost 463 games in a row. They've never won. And I don't think they've even ever scored a goal. And when they get their first goal, you go, oh, how good's this? 
and then they get another one and they win their very first game ever and they qualify, you know, probably in, you know, they qualify for the, you know, the next division of the World Cup or, you know, to go in the World Cup. Yeah. You know, they, they, did, they didn't go anywhere. But you just, because they were so bad and, you know, you're watching them, you get to know all the players. One of them's transgender, but, you know, he's their best player or she's their best player and they are their best player. And it's just it's just a really beautiful documentary. And when they finally win, you just go, oh, fuck, how good is this? This is just magnificent. And um, so I'd highly recommend that documentary, Next Goal Wins. I think it's on Stan or Netflix. Um, okay. but, but, yeah, I, I think that'll – when they finally do something right, after all this effort, it does bring a tear to your eye. Beautiful. All right, I wanted my number one to be a happy one too. Uh, so let me take you to New Year's Eve, December 2010, to the right. uh, to the beautiful uh, Echuca Racing Club, and to uh, I think it was race three Five. from memory, the Classic Rock Maiden Plate, over fourteen hundred metres was a uh, I think it was a uh, I think it was a good three or a good four the track it was. Quite, uh, quite hard, but not, you know, not ridiculously hard. Uh, little horse in a course, <laughs> Arctic Point. Uh, and then the 1,400-metre journey, it, uh, it looked pretty good most of the way around. And then uh, coming into the, uh, into the home straight uh, under the fabulous training uh, regime of uh, Greg Urell and uh, under Caulfield Cup winning jockey Nick Hall, Arctic Point got its little head in front and won by half a neck in the classic Rock Maiden plate of December 2010, of New Year's Eve, December 2010. And that horse was owned by Sarah oh, Patterson. Story. Sarah Patterson owned that horse. Really? And uh, and uh, obviously that meant that I owned that horse as well. And uh, we were sitting in our lounge room in this house that I'm broadcasting from right now. And I would, uh, I would hasten to say that between myself and Sarah, and at that stage, a very young uh, Hayden Hillier, um, who was five, uh, went apeshit, absolutely apeshit. Uh, and uh, we were hugging, we were high-fiving. Poor little Hayden didn't know what the hell was going on, but he knew mum and dad were very happy about something to do with that, that horse in the pink colours on the TV screen, uh, in, the, in the Shelley Hancock colours, and uh, absolutely... Um, Delighted that uh, that that, ho- that was the first uh, ever horse that we'd been involved with that that won anything. It won again uh, a couple of months later in in the wedding at um, uh, we was at Pakenham, um, but that uh, brought a tear to both our eyes and uh, was a a moment I shall never forget. Uh, New Year's Eve, December twenty ten. I tell you what, that that event and you going ape shit that brought a tear to. Uh... <laughs> Arctic points eyes and <laughs> prompting it, prompting it to say gout. <laughs> yes, no, it was a uh, it was a very big day, most enjoyable day. So that's that's my number one. So there you go. There's the five moments that have brought a tear to your eye, happy or sad. Uh, Mr. Mannix, you have the you have the uh, baton for next week for the uh, for the five. We're going to go back to music uh, in a couple of weeks, but we'll just. Uh, no, no. Saunter our way around a couple of other topics before we head back into a, a couple of charts and stuff, probably uh, during October. So, Brian, you can have a think about uh, what the uh, what the topic might be next week. A big grand final week coming up. 
what will yeah. you do grand final day, Brian? Will you, uh, will you, are you gigging? Are you watching it? What are you doing? No, 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 I don't gig until uh, mid-October. So, oh. yeah, I'm just hemorrhaging a bit of money at the moment, but that's okay. Um, I'll probably get together with friends and watch it and um, that's it. We, we've got a holiday up here on Monday, do you? Because uh, it's the king's birthday on Monday. Oh, okay. No, we get a holiday Friday. Yeah, uh, that's Dan Andrews' stupid yeah. day, yeah. yeah. Which, fortunately, is going to be 27 degrees and beautiful and fine, so everyone will be able to enjoy it. Um, no, we don't get one Monday. Uh, we have the king's birthday in June, like the rest of the country. Queensland, so Queensland move it around because they have the Labor Day one around that June period, I think. Oh, okay. So, because I, I was wondering whether, well, we're going to celebrate Queen's birthday and King's birthday. No, 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 yeah, no, we, we no, just, yeah. right, fair enough. You don't get a they. You don't get a they when it comes to holidays, Brian. There's no plural there. No way. No they. And you, Mr. Fine, how will you spend a grand final day for the for the AFL? I should uh, the the rugby league grand finals on Sunday night, so that's a different kettle of fish. Um, what will you do, Fine? Um. Uh, I'll probably be working part of the day. Well, let's see if I can get a tattoo. Collingwood tattoo? Pardon? A Collingwood tattoo? Pardon? <laughs> Sorry, those ears painted on, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know, imagine getting it. Imagine getting a Collingwood tattoo. I saw. You know, I'm pleased for the guy that had the Carlton 2023 20, Premier's tattoo. He's now come a cropper. Yeah, that's worked out well for him. Um, the, the business tattoo parlours on Monday, if Collingwood win the grand final on Saturday, oh, yeah. tattoo yeah, parlours on Sunday and Monday will be run off their feet. Yeah, there will be there will be work to be had. Oh, God. But you see, you know the rule in tattooing. When somebody hands you a, a picture or whatever, it's not your... As a tattoo artist, it's not for you to question. You simply do what they tell you. Yep. So I'm just for all Collingwood supporters out there, if you do win the flag, make an effort between now and Monday. Try and learn how to spell. <laughs> Premiers. P-R-E-M-I-E-R-S. For Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 2023, in case you were wondering, and you get too pissed yeah. to remember what year it is. Anyhow, the one good thing is, if they do win the flag, then for all those credit card thieves out there, you know, if you rob a Collingwood supporter, the pin number is going to be two zero two three. That's probably right. It's party pies, little boys, and uh, and chips and uh, and uh, black and white cookies here on Saturday because uh, Hayden Barracks for Collingwood, so he'll be uh, he'll be up and about. So it'll be an interesting uh, afternoon on Saturday. Oh, well, you got the footy food. That sounds terrific. Yep, footy food. You know, we do that every year, but. Uh, He's got a team in this year, so he's uh, he's pretty happy about that. So, uh, good good luck to him. Yep, could be a good day. All right, boys. Uh, short and sharp and to the point this week. So, uh, uh, was you know we're we're running short because no one died this week. So, you know we missed out on the death of Liza. Anyway, well, you know. 
Maybe we'll have a bumper crop. Next oh, week, don't say know. that. Don't <laughs> say it. No, no, no. We don't. We don't. No, we're, quite, we're, right. we're quite happy no. if the deathalizer is is uh, is not retired for good. Well, not yeah, not utilised every week to any great degree. Um, have a wonderful grand final week, both of you. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we shall adjourn and talk uh, next week when we have new NRL and new AFL premiers and uh, and much to talk about. We've got the World Cup cricket starting. Good God. Just as well. We'll run, Just run before we go. Yes. Got no, de- no death alive and no footy. We're going to need some cricket or something. <laughs> yeah, just before we go. Oh, one, one more thing, Bonnie. Yeah, you know me. One more thing. Um, one more thing. I want you to give me good, average, brilliant. How do you reckon Kiss will go? Oh, okay. Oh. I'm going to say average. Um. Good, average, brilliant. I don't think brilliant's no, going to no, work. No, bad, bad, average or brilliant? I think average. I don't think daylight's going to suit them. That's exactly but I'm what told I'm saying. I'm told they've got $700,000 worth of pyrotechnics, so it's going to... Jesus! But, yeah, well, that's what I'm told. But even so... During the daytime, you know, flash pots don't really work that well. They just sort of look, turn into smoke. You can't see the flame, but they'll have those gas things that, you know, the rugby has and the cricket has when they run out. They'll have shitloads of that. But It's, 20, so it's going to be got, 27 or 28 at least according to the forecast now. So it's going to be well, sunny as buggery and uh, and hot. Oh, melt. The is that they're going to play, I was made for loving you. Then they're going to play shout it, shout it, shout it out loud, which is a pretty good song for footy. Yep. And then they'll finish with I want to rock and roll all night and that'll be about it. Okay. Well, how do you think they'll go, Finey? Because I know you don't like them. I mean, I don't like them, but I think they're a good choice for the grand final. I agree they'd be much better at night. I think on a 27-degree day, um, Gene Simmons is going to look like a sweaty pregnant woman in makeup. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> what could be more attractive than that on grand final day, for goodness sake? <laughs> oh, no, I could add, I could add, because of his, the way his hair is, which is sort of long down the back and bald down the middle, a balding, sweaty pregnant woman <laughs> with heavy makeup. So, uh, so, you know, as they used to for. Many a talk show host. No close-ups, no close-ups. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, boys, enjoy grand final week. We'll talk next week. Bye for now. See you, boys. Bye-bye. Uh, bye. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 